Hello and welcome to Habemus Papam episode 101, Gregory IV. Dear brothers and sisters, Annuncio Vobis. Annuncio Vobis. Annuncio Vobis Gaudium Magnum. Gaudium Magnum. Gaudium Magnum. Habemus Papam. So we start out today, Gregory IV was born in Rome. He was the son of a man named John. He was ordained a subdeacon by St. Paschal I and eventually was ordained the cardinal priest of San Marco. The last three popes, Paschal I, Eugene II, and Valentine, all had fairly short pontificates, with Valentine's being exceptionally short. And this apparently caused some concern among the Roman nobility who wanted to find a pope who could be a stable hand in the governance of Rome. So they selected Gregory, who, according to the Liber Pontificalis, hid in the Basilica of Saints Cosmas and Damian and had to be dragged to the Lateran to be elected. Now, this is a common trope we'll see in the Liber Pontificalis for these later popes. Pope, uh, priests not wanting to be elected pope, and then they have to get dragged from the particular church. How much that's been actually applied and is realistic, or how much it's just a literary device, it's uncertain. There was a six-month delay between Gregory's election and his consecration on March 29, 828. Apparently, the nobility of Rome were getting ready to consecrate Gregory Bishop when all of a sudden the ambassadors of the Frankish emperor Louis the Pious demanded a halt. The constitution signed by Eugene II said the approval had to be gotten from the Frankish emperor before the pope could be consecrated, like the old Byzantine system. So they forced the Romans to wait six months before they could consecrate the pope. Now, some scholars have suggested that the reason for the delay was that Gregory was forced on the clergy by the nobility of Rome, and that then the clergy went to the Frankish ambassadors and asked them to look into the election. They eventually sided with Gregory, but it took time. Regardless, this election is situated in the context of a society still trying to figure out the relationship between the new institution of the Holy Roman Emperor and the papacy. The Liber Pontificalis speaks primarily of Gregory's building campaigns in Rome. I won't list all the churches he helped restore, but I will point out that the first was the complete restoration of San Marco, his own titular church. The current basilica we have there today can be dated to the restoration of Gregory IV. With that brief description of his Roman doings, we have to head directly into the whole Carolingian drama. And we will find that this is the case for many episodes to come. Now what happened was this. Louis the Pious, the current Holy Roman Emperor, had remarried. His wife, Ermengarde, had died in 818, and he had remarried a beautiful young German woman named Judith. Judith was the daughter of a Bavarian noble named Welph, who was actually the founder of the famous Italian family, the Guelphs. We'll hear about them much, much later down the road. Anyway, the tradition among the Frankish nobility was to divide one's possessions and kingdoms amongst one's sons, instead of passing things on directly to the eldest son. So Louis the Pious had three sons by his first wife, Lothair, Pepin, and Louis the German, and he had carefully divided the kingdoms of the Holy Roman Emperor between the three of them. But Judith had a son, who would be later known to history as Charles the Bald, and she wanted to have him have a kingdom as well. I won't go into all the details since the alliances keep shifting back and forth between sons against their father and against brothers, but let's just say that by the end of his reign, Louis the Pious will have to deal with three civil wars regarding the proper division of the Holy Roman Empire. Now, the second of these civil wars is what we have to talk about now. Lothair seems to have been facing off against Louis the Pious and his son Charles. Lothair persuaded Gregory IV that he needed to come and mediate the dispute, and so in 833 he crossed the Alps and made his way to the camp of Lothair. But this didn't help too much. Even though he went for pure motives and without bias one way or another, 
Because he found himself in the camp of Lothair, he was treated as a Lothair partisan by the other side. Gregory asked the bishops of France to come meet him, but those who were on Louis the Pious's side refused, and they even talked about excommunicating the Pope. Gregory, of course, remonstrated against these bishops, saying that as Pope, they should be more concerned with his summons than with the emperor's. However, it didn't change too much. Gregory traveled with Lothair until the two armies met on June 24, 833. Lothair allowed the Pope to travel to Louis's camp, which Gregory did despite not receiving a very warm welcome. Nevertheless, the Pope worked really hard to try and come to a peace agreement between the two sides and to reconcile the brothers with their father. But it turns out that this delay caused by negotiation gave Lothair the time he needed to convince most of his father's troops to defect. It seems to have been a ploy used by Lothair to get what he wanted. So by the time the battle was fought, almost no one was left on the other side, and Louis the Pious asked his remaining troops to defect as well so they wouldn't get killed, and then he was captured and deposed by his sons. He was forced to publicly admit all his supposed crimes and to live the rest of his life as a penitent. Gregory, meanwhile, upset that he had been used in this way, returned to Rome. Now, this isn't actually the end of the story of Louis the Pious. In 834, he's restored to his throne, and then he fought a third civil war with his sons before dying in 840. And even though it's rushing ahead, let's wrap up this Carolingian drama with the fight that happened after Louis the Pious's death in 840. His sons, of course, duked it out. Lothair came, claimed the right to be the sole Holy Roman Emperor, but his brothers and half-brother disputed that right. And Gregory again tried to mediate between the brothers and bring about peace and unity, but his efforts failed again. They fought another civil war, and Lothair was defeated, and the brothers worked everything out in a document called the Treaty of Verdun in 844. What it did is it divided the emperor in three. East Francia, which went to Louis the German and contained much of modern Germany. Middle Francia, which went to Lothair and snaked from the Netherlands through Aachen, the capital, down to Italy. And finally, West Francia, which went to Charles the Bald and is much of modern-day France. Now, it's a sad day. The hope of a restored Roman emperor has started to crumble. And we're going to see more and more these territories will get divided between more and more children. And everyone's going to be fighting over what tiny little country they want. And we're not going to have that beautiful Holy Roman Emperor that was the dream with Charlemagne. But this is the moment where we really start to see the modern-day nations of Germany, France, and Italy start to take shape. Now, while all this was happening, there were threats coming from outside Christian Europe. The Islamic armies of the Umayyad Caliphate had landed in Sicily and conquered it in 827. And then they set about raiding the coasts of Italy, coming close to Rome. These pirates, these Islamic raiders, have been come to known by history as the Saracens, and we'll talk about them in future episodes. But to forestall future invasions, Pope Gregory built a fortified city near the old port of Ostia to defend the Roman people. Finally, a more holy note to finish on. Gregory supported vigorously the missionary efforts of the monk St. Ansgar, who had first preached to the Danes, and then moved on and evangelized Sweden. Gregory met with St. Ansgar and named him Archbishop of Hamburg and presented him with the pallium, which is the symbol of the archbishop's authority, and made him in charge of all the Scandinavian missions. So the church and the faith is spreading. Also, another cool note, it was Gregory IV who helped promulgate the Feast of All Saints to be celebrated on November 1st throughout all Europe, and we still do that today. Gregory IV died on January 25th, 844, and was buried in St. Peter's Basilica. He was succeeded by Pope Sergius II, and we'll talk about him next time. Thanks for listening to Habemus Papam. You can check out the rest of the Catholic Bites podcast at catholicbitespodcast.com 
or find us on iTunes. Thank you and God bless.